Okay, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, praises be to our Lord God. We're gathered again together to study His words and His commandments. Before we begin, we ask everyone to please stand for our opening prayer. Merciful and loving Father, thank you so much for maintaining our life and our strength. Thank you for giving us our sound mind. And thank you for the opportunity to study your holy words. We know that there is a purpose for everything that has been written in your glorious book. That's why we profit well whenever we look deep into your words. And so as we do so tonight, we ask that you please guide us with your Holy Spirit, that everything that we shall do shall bear forth fruit, fruits of righteousness for the glory of your holy name. Please, Father, forgive all our sins. Make us worthy before you. Impart your saving grace upon our life. We ask and beg all things, O Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. All right. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for attending our Bible study for today or tonight, depending on where you are located. So we're going to continue with our Bible history project. Last week, we talked about uh, the first sin, Adam and Eve, there in the Garden of Eden. And we all know back in the Garden of Eden, after they committed the sin, God ejected them or expelled them from the garden, and they basically resided outside the Garden of Eden in a place called Havila. Next slide, please. And we believe Havila uh, is a reminder of the curse that God has given to Eve, which is why, according to the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, the word Havila means one that suffers pain, that brings forth. In other words, it's a reminder of God's curse to Eve, which is when she will conceive and deliver a child, she's going to bring forth in pain. And so we're going to study today the first sons of Adam and Eve. And so when they were born, what does the Bible teach us? Let's go to Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 down to 2. Then Adam had intercourse with his wife, and she became pregnant. She bore a son and said, by the Lord's help, I have gotten a son. So she named him Cain. Later, she gave birth to another son, Abel. Abel became a shepherd, but Cain was a farmer. And so, according to the Holy Scriptures, after Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden, they had intercourse, and Eve became pregnant. Who was the firstborn son? What was his name? Cain. And who was the second son? Abel. So it was Cain, followed by Abel. Cain was the older brother to Abel. There's something I want you to know about the names of Cain and Abel. Please take note, according to the Holy Scriptures, uh, Eve says, by the Lord's help, I have gotten a son. And so the first son was a big deal. This is why when we look into the Hebrew, next slide please, Cain means gotten or possession. However, Abel means emptiness. For some reason, there was a lot more celebration going on when Cain was born compared to when Abel was born, which is to be expected, right? How many here are firstborn kids? Yeah? For some reason, I guess, when your parents had you, it was a big deal. After all, you were the firstborn. You know, I was the firstborn too, <laughs> but I don't know if it was a big deal. But nevertheless, for Abel, I mean, for Cain, for Adam and Eve, when they had Cain, it was a big celebration. When they had Abel, for some reason, Nah, <laughs> it's just uh, the way it seems to be. And so, however, 
when it comes to their chosen profession, what does the Bible reveal? Let's go back to Genesis 4, 1 down to 2. It says in verse 2, later she gave birth to another son, Abel. Abel became a shepherd, but Cain was a farmer. There's something we need to look into concerning their chosen profession. Abel decides to be a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Takes care of livestock. Takes care of the flock. What does a farmer do? He plants seeds on the ground. Remember, back in the Garden of Eden, what was the curse that was pronounced by God? God says the earth or the ground is going to be cursed. This is why we can say Cain involved himself in the work of the world. However, Abel involved himself in the work of God, being a shepherd of flocks. And so we can see that Abel was more in alignment with God's future plans, while Cain was stuck with the ways of the world, the earth that has been cursed by our almighty God. And so when it was time for them to express the religion before God, what happened? Genesis chapter 4, 3 down to 5, after some time, Cain brought some of his harvest and gave it as an offering to the Lord. Then Abel brought the first lamb, the first lamb born to one of his sheep, killed it, and gave the best parts of it as an offering. The Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering, but he rejected Cain and his offering. Cain became furious and he scowled in anger. And so, I just want to pause here for a little while. When we think about Cain and Abel, I want to ask the following question. Were they religious people? Both of them, were they religious? Yeah. What's the proof? They practiced their religion. They give an offering to our almighty God. However, Cain's offering was rejected by God. Abel's offering, on the other hand, was accepted by God. This should tell us something. Not all religions are acceptable to God. It's possible to be religious. It's possible to be busy in doing religious work and yet be rejected by God. Have you ever wondered why God rejected the offering of Cain? But God accepted the offering of Abel. What do you think the reason behind the rejection of Cain's offering and the acceptance of Abel's offering was? Anyone here? Any guessers? Why? Why did God reject Cain's offering but accepted the offering of Abel? We get a clue when we go outside of Genesis. When we look into the, the writings of the Apostle Paul, the book of Hebrews 11, 1 and 4, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. By faith. Did you get that? By faith. Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. Why was the offering of Abel accepted by God? Because when he offered his offering to God, it was done by Faith. What is faith, by the way? Faith simply means obeying the words of God, not simply believing in the word of God. Remember, when Adam and Eve gave birth to Cain and Abel, they were given birth to and became, they were babies, right? When Adam and Eve, or when Eve gave birth to Cain and Abel, they were not grown-up men. They started out as babies. They grew up. And they became teenagers. And then they became adults. I don't know. 
what do you think they talked about back there by the Garden of Eden? They probably talked about religion, right? They probably talked about the plan of God. And so God, I'm sure, gave them words and commandments. And so people had to choose to obey or disobey the will of God. Abel was a man of faith. And so his sacrifice was based upon the command of our almighty God. This is why we believe Abel was a prophet. Did you know that? He was perhaps the first prophet of the Lord God. Why? Because the Bible says even after he died, he still speaks. If it says he still speaks, it means he was speaking before he died. He was a prophet of our almighty God who testified to the truth that Abel was indeed a prophet of God. Let's read the book of Luke 11, 49 to 51. Who's the one speaking here, by the way? It's Luke. Who's the one speaking there? Huh? Our Lord? Yeah, that's why the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles. They will murder some of those prophets and apostles and persecute others. So the people living now will be charged with the murder of every prophet since the world was made. This includes the murders from Abel to Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the temple. Yes, I can guarantee this truth. The people living today will be held responsible for this. Who testifies that Abel was indeed a prophet of God? The Lord Jesus Christ himself, which qualifies him to be the first, the first prophet of God. What does a prophet do? He speaks or preaches the will or the word of God. So I can only imagine Abel during the time of Cain. He was preaching the word of God. He was convincing the people to repent and to return to God. What was revealed to the prophet Abel? The plan of redemption. This is why his offering, what was the offering of Abel? He had to slay an animal. An animal. What was that all about? It was to foretell what's going to happen in the future. A lamb is going to be slain for the forgiveness of sins of mankind. And so that, that is why Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to God because he followed the plan and will of God so that his sins can be atoned for. So what happened after God accepted the offering of Abel but rejected Cain's offering? Genesis chapter 4, 5 to 7. But he rejected Cain and his offering. Cain became furious, and he scowled in anger. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why that scowl on your face? If you had done the right thing, you would be smiling, but because you have done evil. Sin is crouching at your door. It wants to rule you, but you must overcome it. And so after Cain was rejected by God, what did God notice on the face of Cain? God says, why are you angry? Why that scowl on your face? What is a scowl anyways? What is that? Can someone make a scowl for me? It's when you're angry, right? You know, God is calling Cain's attention to his anger, the scowl on his face. Do you know why God was calling attention to the scowl and the anger on his face? Because the Bible says, if you have done evil, sin is crouching at your door. It wants to rule you, but you must overcome it. You see, God is telling us something about anger. What is that? When you are angry, sin is crouching at the door. When you are angry, it's like opening the door to the way by which you can be overcome and ruled by sin. Do you believe that? 
This is why we have to make sure we're able to overcome and control our anger. How many here have problems with their anger? <laughs> yeah? I think that's one of the first things we need to learn from the story of Cain and Abel. When you're angry, the Bible says sin is crouching at your door. And so we should not become angry all the time. You know why? The book of Ephesians explains why. 4.26 down to 27. If you become angry, do not let your anger lead you into sin. And do not stay angry all day. Don't give the devil a chance. When we're angry, there's a good chance we might commit a sin, right? Sometimes when we're angry, we think differently. When we're angry, we say things we'll, we will regret later on. Has that happened before? This is why we should, as much as possible, keep away from anger. But if we stay angry all day long, we're giving who a chance? The devil. Or opening the door for sin to rule over and overcome our life. That's what happened uh, to Cain. This is why, because of his anger... And because he could not let go of his anger, what eventually happened to him? Genesis chapter 4 and the verses 8. Then Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the fields. When they were out in the fields, Cain turned on his brother and killed him. This was the first murder, right? Was it premeditated? Looks like it. What's the proof? He planned it out. Let's go out into the fields. You like the shepherd? You like the, uh, the flocks? Let's go out there. Let's go kill an animal. And so when he convinced his brother to go to the fields, what did he do? He killed him. And so he planned it. You see, when a person is angry and he's unable to control his anger, he begins to think evil and wicked things to the point that he ends up killing his own brother. Can you imagine that? You know, I'm trying to wrap my head around Killing your own brother. How can you even think of doing that, right? I know sometimes it can be annoying, right? Especially when you're growing up as kids. You have a sister or a brother. You're sharing one room. Sometimes a person snoring while you're studying. It can be a nuisance, right? But I don't think you can actually kill your own brother or sister. But here is Cain. He kills his own brother. I wonder, though. Who really is behind the killing? Who do you suppose was the mastermind behind the killing of Abel? Yes, we know Cain fulfilled the action, but who do you think motivated him? Huh? Well, let's find out in the book of 1 John, chapter 3, and verses 12. You must not be like Cain. The apostle John is the one speaking here. Filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God gives you insight into the motivation behind the Bible characters of the past. And so here's the Apostle John writing about what happened back there by the Garden of Eden. They're in Havilah. Apostle John was reminded, or by the Holy Spirit, what really motivated Cain. What was that? He belonged to the evil one and murdered his own brother Abel. Why did Cain murder him? Because the things he himself, himself did were wrong, and the things his brother did were right. And so he was jealous. Because of that jealousy, it was an opportunity for the devil to instigate the killing against Abel. Why do you suppose the devil wanted Abel to be killed? Why do you think? What do you think is the motivation behind the devil's interest in Abel? Let's go to the next slide. Might, this might give you a clue. Cain 
enable. I want to juxtapose both of them and see if you can see the parallelism. Cain brought an unworthy sacrifice, but the devil saw Abel brought a worthy sacrifice. Cain, he offered a sacrifice that did not involve the shedding of blood. But Abel, he offered a sacrifice that involved the shedding of blood. Cain, he became angry and jealous. Abel, he did what was right. Cain, he murdered his brother. Abel, he was murdered by his brother. And so you know what the devil thought? You know what he thought? Remember back in the Garden of Eden, the first prophecy? What did God say? The seed of the woman will crush you on the head. The devil thought Abel was the promised seed. This is why he caused Cain to kill Abel, to ruin the master plan of God. But was Abel the promised seed? No. You know who the promised seed was? Next slide. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ did not bring a worthy sacrifice. He was the worthy sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ did not offer a sacrifice involving the shedding of blood. He was the sacrifice who shed his own blood. The promised seed was the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil thought the promised seed was going to come right away. <laughs> this is why he wanted to make sure Abel was killed. However, we need to learn from what happened there between Cain and Abel. We need to find a way to overcome and control. Next slide. What is that? Anger. We have to control that. There's something we need to learn. It's how to control anger. You know why? If we don't control anger, what's go what are we going to end up doing? Next slide. Evil thinking. Right? When you're angry and you're still angry after day one, after day two, you're still angry, you become hostile. You develop what is called hostility. When you have hostility, you begin to think evil about the person you're angry at. And you begin to speak evil against that person. Eventually, evil thinking and evil planning will lead to what? Next slide. Murder. You know what we can say as the equivalent of murder is? When you murder the character of individuals, right? When you murder the reputation of people. It begins with anger. Anger becomes evil thinking, evil speaking, evil planning, until you carry out the work of killing, murdering his reputation and his character. We must not do anything like that. That's against the will of God. This is why we have to overcome what? Anger. You know, before we can overcome, before we can overcome anger, we need to know what causes it, right? So what do you think caused the anger of Cain? What was it? Next slide. Jealousy. You know what the root of jealousy is? When does a person become jealous? When somebody does something and it was accepted and yours was not. Why do you get jealous? Because of your pride. And so next slide. The root cause of the murder was really what? Pride. Because of his pride, he was affected. Instead of learning what to do so that his offering would be accepted, he became jealous. Because of his jealousy, he became angry. Because of his anger, he began to plan evil. And because of that, he was able to kill and murder his brother. And so we have to overcome the root cause, which is pride and selfishness. And even today, why is it that there are people 
who used to live together, work together, but they become disunited and disorganized and disorderly. Let's read the book of James, chapter 3 and the verses 14. But if, you, if in your heart you are jealous, bitter, and selfish, don't sin against the truth by boasting of your wisdom. Where there is jealousy and selfishness, there's also disorder and every kind of evil. You know, so long as we don't get rid of the jealousy and the selfishness in our hearts, we're never going to have unity. The first step towards unity is humility. Until we have humility, until we're willing to be able to accept another person's opinion, we cannot have the unity, the orderliness that God wants from each and every one of us. That's something we can learn from the story of Cain and Abel. So after the first murder, what did God do to Cain? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4 and the verses 9. The Lord asked Cain, where is your brother Abel? Let's pause there for a while. Does God not know that Abel was killed? He knows. Why did he ask the question? Who was that question for? That question was for Cain. What was the purpose of God in asking the question? He wanted Cain to admit or confess his sins. Remember back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve committed the first sin, what did God do? He asked the question, did you eat the forbidden fruit? Did they admit or confess their sin? Yeah, but they passed the blame on the serpent, right? How about Cain? Did he admit that he was guilty of killing or slaying his brother? What was the answer of Cain? He answered, I don't know. He flat out lied to our almighty God. Not only did he lie to God, what did he say? Am I supposed to take care of my brother? In other translations, am I? my brother's keeper. Can you imagine that? He insults the Lord God. He lies to God. And on top of that, he insults the Lord God by asking the Lord God, am I supposed to take care of my brother? So he was irreverent, disrespectful, even to our almighty God. We should not be like Cain. You know, if we are guilty of sin, what's the best thing to do? Proverbs 28 and the verses 13, you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins, confess them and give them up, then God will show mercy to you. If we're guilty of sin, what's the only thing to do? Confess your sins to God. Don't rationalize like Adam and Eve. Don't lie to yourself and to God like Cain. Instead, go to God and confess your sins. If we confess our sins and give up our sins, what will God do? He will give mercy to us, and we will succeed in life. And so after Cain lies to God, what does God say to him? Genesis chapter 4, verse 11, And now you are cursed by reason of the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's shed blood from your hand. What was God's decree against Cain because of his sin? Bible says you are cursed. See, when we commit sin against God, there's always a consequence to sin. God always gives us a choice. God did not make robots. Human beings, they were all given the freedom to choose. We get to choose. However, we need to keep in mind, for every choice we make, we have to be willing 
we have to be ready to accept the consequences of our choices. And so God says, you committed this sin, you are going to be cursed. What does the curse include? Let's go to Genesis chapter 4, 11 and 12. So now you are cursed from the ground, which has received the blood of your brother, whom you killed. When you farm the ground, it will no longer yield its best for you. You will be a fugitive, a wanderer on the earth. What was the curse of God? What did it include? The Bible says, when you farm the ground, because after all, what was the livelihood of Cain again? He was a farmer. So there was a curse on the livelihood of Cain. What else? You will be a fugitive, a wanderer on the earth. If you're a wanderer, basically you're lost. When a person is lost, he has no place to go. He just goes around and around. A fugitive, a wanderer. That was the condition of Cain because of his sin against God. What else was part of the curse? Genesis 4.14. Behold, you have driven me out this day from the face of the land. And from your face, I will be hidden. And I will be a fugitive and a vagabond and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. According to scriptures, what else was included in the curse of Cain? Bible says he will be driven from the land, from Havilah, because that's where the garden is at. He will be driven from the land and from the presence of God. And God's face will be hidden from him. What does that mean? God's face will be hidden from him, or he will be hidden from God's face. Isaiah 59 verse 2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. And so basically part of the curse was Cain is to be separated from our Lord God. This is why Cain and Cain's progeny, the descendants of Cain, that represents the world. Did you get that? We're starting to see the departure between the people of God and the people of the world. The people of the world, they come from the descendants of Cain. They adopt the ways of Cain. They are separated from our almighty God. But before he was banished from the land, what did God do? Genesis 4, 13 to 15. You know, God is so nice. Look at this. And Cain said to the Lord, this punishment is too hard for me to bear. You were driving me off the land and away from your presence. I will be a homeless wanderer on the earth, and anyone who finds me will kill me. But the Lord answered, no. If anyone kills you, seven lives will be taken in revenge. So the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who met him not to kill him. And so what did God do as a way of protecting Cain? Because Cain was complaining because of what I did, people are going to kill me. Probably the descendants of Adam and Eve's other sons and daughters. And so he was concerned about that. And so what did God say? No one's going to kill you. I'm going to put a mark on you so that anyone who will try to kill you or will kill you, they will be avenged. You know what that mark is? You know what that mark is? I have no idea. <laughs> the Bible doesn't tell us what the mark is. However, it must be visible, right? You probably have your own ideas of what the mark is, but I have no idea what that mark could possibly be. In other words, God provided the means for him to stay alive. And so what did he do when he left the land of Havilah? Genesis chapter 4, verse 16. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of 
Eden. Where did Cain go? The land of Nod. I want you to think about that. Where is the land of Nod? East of Eden. Who named it Nod? Who do you think named it Nod? Huh? I mean, no one's ever gone there. This will be the first time they're going to step out of the land, right? Cain will be the first one. So who named it Nod? You know, it's actually a play on words. The word Nod in Hebrew is actually wanderer. That's what it means. So it's a play on words because in verse 12, remember, God said that Cain would be what? A wanderer. The word Nod means wanderer. So he is a wanderer who travels to the land of wandering. You see, when a person is separated from God, whether we like it or not, you become lost. There's no certainty in your life. You become like a wanderer that travels to the land of wandering. That was the condition of Cain. And so what did uh, Cain do when he got to the place where he resided at? Genesis chapter 4, four verse 17, and Cain's wife. And a lot, one of the most asked questions about Genesis chapter 4 is where did Cain get his wife? Where? What does it say? One of Adam's offspring. You see, if you read Genesis chapter 5, the Bible says Adam and Eve had other children besides Cain and Abel. Back then, could you marry your sister? Yeah. yeah. Back then, it wasn't until after the time when Moses gave a law coming from God that they banished the incest, right? But during the time of Adam and Eve, of course, you're going to have to eventually marry your sister or your brother. You might be saying, ew, I get it. But we're over that now. You don't have to think about that anymore, okay? Let's just get past that. However, there's something interesting here. Remember, Cain was supposed to be a wanderer, right? That's what God said. You're going to be a wanderer. What does he do instead? <laughs> he goes and builds a city. You know, Cain, we can probably say, was the father of urbanization. Because of Cain, he built the city. How many of you can do that? He built the city. And so instead of doing what God wanted him to do, he stayed in one place out of defiance against God, and he built a city, and he names the city after his son. What's his son's name? Enoch. This is a different Enoch from the Enoch that God took, okay? The Enoch that God took was a descendant of not Cain, but Seth. And we'll talk about Seth later on. But this Enoch is different. This is the son of Cain. And there's a city named after Cain. But they're separated from God, from the presence of God. However, did they prosper as a civilization? Let's read what it says in the book of Genesis 4, 18 to 19. To Enoch was born Erad. Erad was the father of Mehujael. And Mehujael, the father of Methusael. And Methusael, the father of Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and of the other was Zillah. And so here we see deterioration of marriage. What was the original plan of God concerning marriage? Adam and Eve. God did not create Adam, Eve, and Mary. Right? It was one man and one woman. But Lamech, he took two. Wives, you know, if you read the Holy Scriptures, 
there are instances of people who have more than one wives, right? And in every instance, there's always strife and problems in the home because it deviates from the plan of God. One man, one woman. That's God's plan concerning husband and wife, not husband and wives. But what were they able to accomplish? Genesis 4, 19 and 22. Then Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Ada. The name of the second was Zillah. And Ada bore Jabal. It's a nice name. <laughs> Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. So he was a wealthy fellow. And he was the one who started livestocks. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who played the harp and flute. And so they were musicians. Musicians. And as of Zillah, she also bore to Balkane an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. So they had metalsmiths. And the sister of Tubalcane was Naamah. You know what Naamah means? It means beautiful. And so we can see here the progress of society. Not only did he build a city, he progressed through his descendants. Tents and livestock, harp and flute, bronze and iron. He began to place their focus not on spiritual things anymore, but on earthly things. Physical beauty. Na ama. This is what happened to Cain and Cain's descendants. What was uh, one of the uh, marks of Cain and his descendants that we should take note of as well? Genesis 4, 23 to 24. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to my voice. You wives of Lamech, give heed to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me, and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Here's Lamech, and he brags about what he did. What was he bragging about? That he killed a man. Not only a man, even a boy. Not only did he brag about his killing or his sin, the Bible says he bragged about what he will do against those who will try to kill him, right? He said, if Cain is avenged sevenfold, Lamech, that's me, <laughs> 77-fold. Can you imagine the pride, the arrogance of this fellow? You know what further proves of his pride? You know what this is? This is one of the first ever recorded songs. <laughs> that's a song in the quote. You see the quotes? It's a song. <laughs> It's a song about himself. It's a song about his pride. I hope you don't make this into a hymn, <laughs> right? It's a different kind of song. I don't know if it was a rap, or first, the first rap, but it was a song of pride about glorifying himself that he can kill and that he is able to take revenge. And so we can see the way of Cain. Now, why should we spend time, why did we even spend time studying all about Cain and Abel in the first place because of the book of Jude. If you go all the way to the end of the Bible before Revelation, there's a warning by Jude about apostasy. What is that? Jude chapter 1 verse 11, he says, Woe to them! 
They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Jude is warning the people of God, especially those who are close to the ends of the earth or during a time when the end of the world is near. He was warning us about apostasy. You see, Jude studied all about apostasy, the works that lead to apostasy. And he says, woe to them. And he was able to put together something here that we should be aware of so that we can prevent ourselves from becoming apostates, right? What did he say? The way of Cain, that's number one. Rushing for profit into Balaam's error, that's number two. And Korah's rebellion. These are three patterns that will lead to apostasy or the turning away from God. Do we want to turn away from God? We don't want to do that. This is why Jude started off with the way of Cain. You know why he started off with the way of Cain? Because the story of Cain and his ways was the story of the first apostasy. Not just the first sin, the first murder, the first lie, the first act of jealousy. It was the first apostasy, defiance against the will of God, the promotion of self. This is why we need to know the ways of Cain. What are the ways of Cain? Next slide. What is the way of Cain? Number one, religious activity not accepted by God. Genesis 4 verse 5. This is why just because a religion has many activities, it doesn't mean it's all accepted by God. See, it's not about activity. It's about reliance on the word of God. What else is the way of Cain? Number two, it is characterized by anger. Genesis 4. Six, if there's any church or any religion characterized by anger, that's not a true church, right? That church is an apostate church. Next slide. What else is the way of Cain? Number three, willing to kill. If there's any church who say it's okay to kill, that's not a true church. They're on their way to apostasy. Do you know of any church willing to kill? Don't mention it to me. <laughs> I don't want to know. Number four, what else? Willing to lie. Genesis 4, verse 9. Do you know of any church willing to lie, practice deception? If you know of any church, don't tell me. I don't want to be part of that church. Number five, church that does not care for the brethren. They will ask of God, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to take care of my people? That's not the way of God. That's the way of Cain. What else? Number six, irreverent and defiant against God. They don't, they're not interested in the will of God. They have their own selfish agendas that they promote. You know, of any religions who have that problem. Again, I don't want to know. Let's keep that to ourselves. Number seven, they promote hatred. Genesis 4.10. That's why God says to Cain, why did you do such a terrible thing? Because of his hate and anger, he was able to kill his own brother. Any religion that promotes hatred, that's not of God. Number eight, separated from the presence of God. You know, if you are in a church or in a religion and you no longer feel the presence of God, it's one sign that church has already turned away from God. Remember, these are the signs of apostasy, the way of Cain. What else? Number nine, focus on worldly and building projects. Guinness. <laughs> they establish facilities. Arenas, not going to mention any names. But just because you have many building projects doesn't mean it is for the glory of God. It's the way of Cain. It's the way of apostasy. What else? Number 10, proud. 
when you begin to come up with songs praising you and your accomplishments. If you know of any leaders who are like that, it's not, it's not from God. So we have Cain. This is why the book of Jude says in next slide, please, Jude chapter 1, verse 11, Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. And number two, they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. If there's any religion that has turned into a for-profit corporation, that's not from our Almighty God. That's a sign of apostasy. What else? Next slide. And so we can add that to our list of signs of apostasy. We have 11 now. What's the next one? The next one is Korah's Rebellion. Do you remember Korah's Rebellion? Let's read all about Korah's Rebellion. Numbers 16, 1 down to 3. One day, Korah, son of Ezar, a descendant of Kohath, son of Levi, conspired with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on and on son of Pelet from the tribe of Reuben. They incited a rebellion against Moses, along with 250 other leaders of the community, all prominent members of the assembly. They united against Moses and Aaron and said, You have gone too far. The whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord, and he is with all of us. What right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? Here we have an example we have what actually happened when Jude mentions the rebellion of Korah, who was Korah, son of Ijar. Take note, he was a Levi. And what did Korah and his companions do? They incited a rebellion against the leader of God's people. What was the name of that leader? Moses. And so how did they incite rebellion? They talked to 250 leaders, prominent members of the assembly. Maybe they kind of... Uh, Talk behind Moses' back, and they grouped together, and they spoke against Moses. What was their accusation against Moses? He says, what right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? That's rebellion. It's not good to rebel. You can question your leader, but you should not rebel against your leader. So there's a difference between inciting rebellion and questioning your spiritual leader. You know what, Korah? really wanted, which is why Moses was very upset with him. <laughs> Let's read the book of Numbers 16, 8 to 11. Moses continued to speak to Korah. Listen, you Levites, do you consider it a small matter that God, the God of Israel has set you apart from the rest of the community so that you can approach him, perform your service in the Lord's tent, and minister to the community and serve them. Let's pause there for a while. Do you remember the 12 tribes of Israel? Yeah, all of them got land, right? Except for the Levites. Why? Because their inheritance is God. From the group of Levi, or from the tribe of Levi, the Levites, that's where you get those who will serve at the tabernacle. They serve at the Lord's tent to minister and community to the community and serve them. And so Korah, he was a part of the Levi group. But he wanted more than that. What, did, what else did he want? He has let you all and the other Levites have this honor. And now you are trying to get the priesthood too. When you complain against Aaron, it is really against the Lord that you and your followers are rebelling. And so when they rebel against Moses and Aaron, they're rebelling against God. Why? Because it was God who made a decision that not everyone can be a priest. 
You can be, a, you're, as a Levite, you can serve at the temple. You can serve at the tabernacle, I mean. But you cannot be a priest. You know why? What did God say? Who are the ones decreed by God himself to serve as priests? Let's read the book of Exodus 29, verse 1. This is what you are to do to Aaron and his sons to dedicate them as priests in my service. Take one young bull and two rams without any defects. Bring his sons and put shirts on them. Put sashes around their waists and tie caps on their heads. That is how you are to ordain Aaron and his sons. They and their descendants are to serve me as priests forever. Who, whom did God decree to serve as priests? Not all Levites, but Levites who are descendants of Aaron. And because uh, Korah was not a son or descendant of Aaron, he was not qualified to be what? Priest. And so what did he want? He was demanding. He was claiming something that God never intended for him to have. And so when you claim authority that God doesn't intend for you to have, what do you call that? That's rebellion against our almighty God. And so when we look at our list of the signs of apostasy, we have 12 religious activity not accepted by God. Characterized by anger, willing to kill, willing to lie, does not care for the brethren, irreverent, defiant against God, promotes hatred, separated from the presence of God, focused on worldly and building projects, proud, rushing into profit, and idolatry. Claiming authority God never intended. And when you look at all this, unfortunately, it fits many organizations today, does it not? And this is why... The works of apostasy, it started back all the way during the time of Cain. However, we're not yet done. One more passage before we pray. After Cain was cursed, what happened? Genesis, final passage of our study today, Genesis 4, 25 to 26. And Adam knew his wife again. And she bore a son and named him what? Seth, for God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. The men, then men began to call on the name of the Lord. And so after Cain was cursed, after the death of Abel, what did God do? God helped Adam and Eve produce a seed. He left behind another seed, a remnant. And through this remnant, what happened? Enosh comes along. And they began to call on the name of the Lord. And so beginning here, God began to set apart people for himself. We see the divergence of the people of the world and the people of God. Who are the people of the world? Those who follow the way of Cain. Who are the people of God? Those who have been set apart by God, who belong to the descendants of Seth and Enosh. And in our next Bible study, we're going to find out what the genealogy in chapter 5 actually means. And you're going to be shocked when you find out what's God, what God's plan is for this remnant seed that he has left after the curse of Cain. Yes, Cain and Abel was a story about jealousy and rebellion. 
But in the end, it's also a story about God's grace because God did not leave Adam and Eve to be alone. He gave them another seed. And from his seed, Enosh, and from Enosh, the plan of God will continue. As we, the small remnant of today, we must also continue in the work of serving and worshiping our almighty God. Let us all stand, brethren, and we shall pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, thank you so much for watching over each one of us, for giving us reason to believe and hope to go on, no matter what we experience and face in our life. Thank you, Father, for you have given us an opportunity to continue the work, worshiping and serving thy name. Bless each one of us, O God. Strengthen our faith. Bless us with wisdom that, Father, we can use that in our daily life and especially in the way by which we worship you. Please forgive all our sins. Bless even our physical health. May you always guide our steps that we will overcome wickedness, overcome anger and pride and selfishness, that we can always be your instruments in the promotion of righteousness. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.